Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-community.com. All right, let's get started. Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent for God whose name was John. He, was, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and was, and, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human descension, or of a husband's will, but born of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ellen. Man, that heater went off right on time, huh? So, it's going to pop back on in a second, so whatever. Um, so we're testing out this new building when it gets chilly. And uh, I don't know how you're feeling in the back. You're the closest to the doors. Feeling okay? Feeling okay. All right. Here we go. Good stuff. Uh, hey, if you have not grabbed a stone yet, I uh, would love for you to do that. They're kind of right on the back on my right in that little windowsill area. You know, we uh, took these stones home uh, after our time of prayer, that uh, celebrating that the Lord had given us a, a space at least for a few weeks, and then uh, asking that God would give us a permanent space, and, and he has done so. I mean, it's really cool to say, hey, we know we're here for two years. Um, I, I don't interpret that as like we're necessarily only here for two years. That could, right? I, I think there could be some extension there as well if we need to, perhaps. Uh, but just to have that locked up is incredible. Really, really cool. And I think uh, God just deserves a whole lot of, of thanks uh, and praise for that. And so I would love for us to just continue. If you don't have one yet, take it, put it somewhere where you'll see it, where it'll just be a little reminder for you of the Lord provides for his people again and again and again. And so we've seen it here uh, as a collective, and no doubt, as a collective and as individuals, we're going to hit spots where it's like, oh, Lord, what's going on? Are you going to show up? Uh, and I would love uh, for us to have just that little reminder, right? We've got plenty of reminders in his word, and yet uh, sometimes it is uh, helpful as well to have just something maybe a little physical, representational in front of us to say, that's right, that's right, I remember I remember he's provided for me, for us. So would love for you uh, to do that. Um, and just want to underscore as well the QR code. It's on uh, the back of your worship guides. Uh, I'm sure it'll be on the screen again uh, at some point. Uh, if you need information on anything, uh, you just hold up your camera on your smartphone to the QR code, and it'll take you directly to a little landing page where you can get uh, plugged into anything that you that you need there, okay? Um, let me pray for us before we really dive into God's word. Uh, it's a good practice often to pray before the sermon. I don't always do it, but I, I'd love to do that for just a moment. 
uh, and pray a little bit for just needs in our community as well as we step in here. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you so much. We celebrate together uh, that you have brought us into uh, a physical home here for our church community. How cool, uh, how amazing. You clearly want this thing here. You clearly want this church to be <laughs> and to walk out uh, the mission that you've given us uh, to bring your good news to bear in Athens uh, in all of its manifestations. As we've talked about a lot this fall, that all of Athens might flourish uh, in faith. We know the good news is about faith. Uh, and yet also in, in compassion and in hearts that move out in faith and in justice, uh, Lord, in, in systems that would change as a result of those things. And so we're so, we're so grateful. Uh, we give you thanks. We give you praise uh, that you would give us uh, sort of a headquarters for that, uh, for the worship of your name uh, and for the service uh, of our community in your name. We praise you. We pray that you would give us a real spirit of gratitude and celebration uh, as we step into more normal life in this space. And Father, we pray as well for other churches that are in our community. We, we pray for Cleveland Road Baptist Church, uh, for their pastor, Parker Moore, who's a good friend to many in this room. Uh, we know that uh, there's been transition in recent years there as well. And uh, just similar things, wanting to uh, uh, shore up foundations and so, Lord, we pray over them uh, that you would do the same work there, that the gospel might go forth there. And, Lord, we talk about uh, caring for the vulnerable. And so we pray over the vulnerable who will be in the cold uh, as temperatures drop this coming week. We pray over the, the gifts that we have given or are giving uh, to Sparrow's Nest. We pray that they would help specifically with this. Uh, we pray over the gifts that we will give uh, to Northeast Georgia Food Bank and others. We pray that there would be specific help uh, in this time. We also pray that you would give divine appointments this week, uh, that, that uh, some of us might be able to care for those uh, affected by the elements. We pray that you would give divine appointments this week uh, to speak about your grace, your mercy, your love. And Lord, as we uh, come to... Your word, we pray that you would focus our minds, focus our hearts on your good news. Focus us on Christ Jesus, not, not because it's Christmas, but for our lives. Uh, we want to live lives of loving response to you, and loving response from all that you have given to us uh, unto our neighbors. So we pray these things uh, because of Christ Jesus in his matchless name. Amen. Right. You ready for good news? I hope you are. I hope your heart and your mind feel like you are ready for good news this morning. And so uh, let me encourage us as we start into God's word, just ask your heart that question for a second. All right? Do you feel, do you feel stuck right now in kind of self-pity, self-loathing, the details swirling around you, anxiety perhaps? Just say to your soul for a second, let's get ready for the good news of Christ Jesus this morning. That's what we're about uh, here and in this scripture as well. And then let me ask you a second question. When have you felt the most satisfied in your life? Just think on that for a second. When have you felt the most satisfied? Maybe it's a particular moment, 
Maybe it's like after a particular meal that you have again and again, like, oh, the satisfaction of life. But for you, what's that look like? Um, I haven't thought about the question for myself a whole lot, honestly. You know, I thought about asking you, and I didn't think about it for myself too much. But I think about a feeling often that's like just, just out of reach. And when I think about it, there's like it, the, the, a visual almost of that scene in a Christmas story where the parents are sitting on the couch afterwards, and they've opened up all the, all the presents, and they're just kind of sitting there on the couch like, ah, right? Just basking in the satisfaction of Christmas Day that none of us have ever felt. <laughs> like maybe for a second, but then it's gone, isn't it? Uh, and then, I don't know, I didn't notice when I pulled this off of the Googles, uh, Ralphie's face there in the middle, but he's already feeling uh, the lack, isn't he? Because we know what comes next. Uh, you know, Christmas morning, Ralphie in the pink bunny costume. Let me get out of the way so we make sure we see poor little Ralphie. Christmas was quickly spoiled for him, wasn't it? He, uh, he got uh, all his good stuff, and then his dad laughed at him, and uh, he had to be in this embarrassing costume. Uh, if that doesn't ring any bells for you, what channel is it that plays it nonstop? You can just turn TBS. that on. TBS. Anytime <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, you just turn TBS on, and my illustration will immediately make sense for you. Uh, but as it, you know, it feels like uh, you're, I'm aiming for that sitting on the couch like, ah, oh, everything is right moment, and there's always a pink bunny costume in life somewhere, isn't there? Um, but we're talking about satisfaction. We're talking about real life uh, this morning and how uh, Jesus shows up in our lives to bring that. We're fourth week of our Advent series uh, where we've been looking at Jesus, who is a paradox. He's a paradox to us, isn't he? He is the ultimate paradox, fully God and yet fully in his incarnation, man, fully human being, fully divine, somehow almighty, and yet helpless as a baby. Helpless is when nailed on a cross. Uh, the truth in and of himself, remember Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, doesn't he? And yet he learns like any other human being. He's born, he grows, he learns, he's transcendent, uh, and yet also God with us, as we just read, as Sarah just read for us, right? And really and truly intimately with us. Uh, he's life itself, himself, and yet born with a purpose, which is to die. And so he's the, the ultimate paradox, also with uh, a purpose. Jesus does all of this for you, for you, right? In the incarnation, Jesus is giving himself uh, to us, to me, to you, uh, and, and he is the giver and the gift. And so that's what we're exploring in this uh, series. This is our fourth week. Then we'll wrap up and just do Christmas next week, just celebrating that he has come. Uh, but he's a, he is a generous uh, paradoxy. And so we've examined this in various ways, that the giver of life is the gift of life himself. So this week, uh, as Ellen read for us, we're in the book of John, uh, who is one of the disciples, 
very close to Jesus. Remember, we've talked about this some, that the gospel of John is different from the others that are, that are laying out kind of a, a chronology of uh, Jesus's life. John is introducing you to his friend. John is introducing you to someone who uh, calls him beloved. John is introducing you to the God-man. So that's why it reads a little weird and starts out, in the beginning was the word. If we didn't have any kind of churchy context for that, that would be a real weird sentence. Uh, But this week we're looking at this. He is the word, the logos, and he is life born to die. And so we'll see a few things uh, here in this passage and then talk about like, what does that look like for us in this last week of the Advent season? So the first thing is just this real life is Jesus Real life is found in him, yeah. Yeah, that's good. We'll get there. But real life is him. Again, we've talked about this some before. God and God's attributes are not two different things. God is one with his attributes. And so God is life. And Jesus is fully God. And so Jesus himself, he is life. Do you see that in the passage? It says, in him was life. And that's not past tense about the life. Like, in him was life, but then he was crucified, and and that's gone. No, no, no. It's past tense because uh, life in him was here with us in the incarnation. It was right here in front of us. I'm not going to smack myself in the face again this week. And I stopped right before it. And and yet, uh, the scriptures say here that we rejected that. Life was right here, and we rejected it. Uh, I've been. I've mentioned this book that I'm reading from Arthur Brooks. Uh, he's an author who's a professor at Harvard. And as I've gotten a little deeper into the book, he's uh, talking about you know different, sometimes different faith traditions and how they talk about suffering in life, uh, etc. And so he, he's talking a little bit about uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, and this concept of idolatry that's clearly in the scriptures. Uh, and yet, uh, Christian theology has, has developed what is in the scriptures, has talked about that more, right? That idolatry is not just, hey, you put a wooden thing in your home and bow down to it. No, 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 it's, it's more than that. And so uh, you may know if you've been around uh, bubbles like this for a while that John Calvin famously said that the human mind is, so to speak, a perpetual forge of idols, or you may have heard it termed an idol factory, that our our hearts, our minds are just kind of churning out idols all the time, right? And uh, and that's good, and I think that's true. I think the scriptures would say that, and yet uh, a lot of uh, Calvin's thought is also rooted in Thomas Aquinas and those who came before him, even if they were from outside of our tradition. Is it possible? It is. Uh, Aquinas says, uh, he kind of develops this idea of idolatry uh, and those things that he says uh, for are, is that idolatry is, let me start from the beginning, is that form of superstition which sets up false gods and pays divine honor to what is not divine. And so he, he kind of talks about these in categories then, uh, that our, our idols, again, are not just wooden things on a shelf. It's, it's deeper than that. It's more than that. We see it in the scriptures. And he talks about these categories of sort of wealth, power, pleasure, honor. They all kind of probably fit in there somewhere. Maybe it's a little wider than that. But that's 
where he is coming from and talking about it. And Brooks, in his book, uh, talks about pursuing life, pursuing satisfaction uh, via the accumulation of stuff, the accumulation of, of objects, which obviously is the kind of like the wealth idolatry category, but we know enough uh, being around uh, Tim Keller a little bit and, and Arthur Brooks talks about this as well. It's like there's, there's an accumulation of stuff that is not just physical stuff. Uh, that, that is uh, the honor of this world, that is uh, the pleasures of this world. That's still an accumulation of stuff, isn't it? In uh, in the accumulation of stuff, the accumulation of objects, A, he says, can't ever satisfy. He's echoing the scriptures there. And B, turns us into the object, actually. Right? So trying to get life out of objects, out of stuff, turns us into the object objectifies us even to ourselves. I'm no longer a human being. I'm a human doing. I'm a a means unto my own satisfaction that will always be out of my reach. Uh, And G.K. Beale, who is my favorite living theologian, I told you about my favorite theologian last week, Beale's my favorite living theologian, uh, talks about how this is is the message in Isaiah, that that, uh, we begin to resemble the things that we revere, whether for ruin or restoration. I'll say it again. We begin to resemble the things that we revere, either for ruin or for restoration. Uh, and he says that's, that's what we see in places like the, the book of the prophet Isaiah. So cool that uh, Sarah was reading from that this morning, right? Who takes it a step further and says, uh, not only do you objectify yourself when you live for the objects, but uh, Isaiah basically says, hey, uh, you're living for an idol turns you into spiritually an earless, eyeless block of wood, right? You worship the block of wood, you become the block of wood, basically. Spiritually dead. And so all that to say, real life is Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Real satisfaction cannot be found in those things. It's found uh, in Jesus. And we're going to sing, I think, uh, a song in a moment that talks about... um, um, that God did not want heaven without us, right? And when you sing it, I want you to think of it this way. God was not lonely. God was not in lack in any way. God is eternally satisfied in and of himself. He does not need you. He wants to give you something. He loves you. But God is eternally satisfied in and of himself. Tim Keller and C.S. Lewis uh, talk about it as like the, they refer to it as like the dance of the Trinity. This this dance of Father, Son, and Spirit eternally uh, glorifying one another, giving love to one another. And and this is the reality we're going to sing. Jesus brings us into that. He brings us into that heaven. Uh, Jesus is life. And the life uh, in verse four says, the life was the light of humanity. It's true light that gives light for the purpose of seeing. Verse nine, John the Baptist testified about the light that all might believe. 
What's the purpose here, right? Sight. We want to go from the earless, eyeless block of wood to, oh, spiritual sight for the purpose of, again, uh, John came that they might have sight and believe. That's the point. The life was the light of humanity that all might see and believe on him. And then life as well. Uh, it's the Jesus' true life. Uh, Jesus' life is the light of humanity that we have not recognized. Uh, and that life comes via the power of God. Verse 13, right, is saying that this, this life, uh, this being a child of God uh, is not coming via our, uh, our willpower. Being born of natural descent, is, we're born of God. And then again, just before that, the fact that he talks about being a child, that's the life, right? That's what it looks like, being a child of God, coming into this uh, relationship with God. How? Through receiving. Through receiving. That brings us to the, the second thing in the passage. Real life is found in receiving. What? A king. Real life is found in receiving a king. Verse one, he's there from the beginning. There is no time when the second person of the Trinity was not. He exists eternally. Uh, and and uh, the Greek refers to him here as the logos, right? Which we translate in English word, but is a, a fairly complex concept uh, that maybe could be better translated like idea, conception. So it's a complex concept of concept, right? Uh, that's what uh, the Greek is getting across here. In the beginning is uh, God who is with God and is God and is the perfect self-representation, the perfect self-conception of God to God's self that is called the Logos, the eternal son, Christ Jesus incarnate, right? And so through the Logos, all is created. Without him, there is nothing that was created. Right? So he's, he's sure to kind of get the positive and the negative uh, of that, isn't he? And so what it's saying here is Jesus is the king over all creation. Jesus is the king. And verse 11 says his own did not receive him. Verse 10 says he's, he's light in the world, but he's not recognized as light, you ever have that experience where light is kind of blinding to you? You get up before it's light out ever? Most mornings I am up before it's light out and, and sometimes I have to go into the bathroom and turn the light on. And when I come out of that bathroom, I am stinking blind. I bump into everything and wake my poor wife up. That's brutal, right? Sometimes we experience life as, as, or light as blinding, uh, and, and we kind of don't recognize its use on a spiritual level as well. So he's light that's not recognized as such, and there's a parallelism between verse 10 where that's said and verse 11 where he talks about uh, uh, the same thing but it's a slightly different way. Not only is he not recognized in the world, but to his own. So it's not saying the exact same thing, just two different ways, uh, but it's adding a little something. Who? 
the Old Testament covenant people. That is who John is referring to here when he says he came to his own, the remnant of the nation of Israel who didn't recognize him for the most part. Uh, and so the, the logos, the light, the son of God is this anticipated son of man uh, that places like Daniel talk about in the Old Testament, the Mashiach, the new Moshe, Moses, the anticipated one in the line of David, the king expected him as the conquering king, and he conquered all right, but in a very different way. It was not recognized. And so let's think about this just for a moment. How do you receive? How do you receive a king? Uh, if you grew up around uh, evangelicalism when I did in the 80s and 90s, you may have heard some. There was almost a lament, like, uh, you know, we're here in America, we don't know what it's like to have a king. Like, I can't tell you how many sermons or talks I heard that had that sentence in it somewhere, right? Uh, but via Netflix, now we kind of do, right? We got the crown. We got Harry and Meghan. Don't tell me what side you're on. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. We got our side. We got our side, right? But uh, we're seeing like into the lives of the royals, and it's so stinking weird. Uh, but we're seeing a little bit of this, right? We're, we're seeing more and more of like, oh, Fascinating, uh, the different uh, uh, customs and things that go on uh, with the royal family. And then this spring, I didn't watch it, but there are pictures of it that are online, right? There's the coronation of Charles as the king of England. How do you receive a king? He's probably behind me, like that. Bowed down in humility. What's a coronation? It's a declaration of loyalty. And when you say what you say, we obey. How do you receive a king? Just like this. Uh, unlike uh, earthly royalty where our loyalty may be fickle, may depend on how you're ruling there, Chucky, uh, right, to, to receive the king to whom all authority in heaven and on earth who has all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm like, wait a second, wait, how's that sentence end? All right? Who has all authority in heaven and on earth, right? who is the eternal Logos, uh, who gives the right to be a child of God, like receiving him is final. It, it's final. You do or you don't. Revelation 4.10 says, even those with crowns in the new heavens and the new earth cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. You notice again there that the connection between creation uh, and the kingship of God and Jesus. It's like a light switch. Is it on or is it off? You may feel like a dimmer sometimes in life. I know I do. <laughs> Our experience can feel like a little bit of, uh, it's on, I received Jesus, and yet there's some mess. Uh -huh. uh, the ultimate question though is this, right? Is Christ king? No matter what the mess has 
looked like, no matter what sin I may have found myself in this time, or man, it's the same thing again. Nonetheless, is Christ king? Now, do I submit? This is how you receive a king. The question is not about behavior. Right? But Jesus says uh, a heart that uh, is aligned with him, that has received him as king, will have good works. So that matters for sure. Right? And, and care for the vulnerable is chief among them, isn't it? Places like Matthew 25, etc. Uh, uh, God says in the New Testament, uh, a heart that has him as king uh, will show fruit as well. We talked a whole lot about that. Love for him and for others. It'll be there. But this is not the receiving in and of itself. What is light for? Again, back to verse 7, that all might believe. So to receive Jesus as king is to believe his testimony. Believe on or in his name. Agree with him. I am not righteous. And nothing I have ever done or can do can make me that way. To receive this king uh, is also to receive his gift. And so that brings us to third, third thought here. Real life is given irrevocably. Irrevocably. It's final. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It cannot Darkness can't do anything about it. Right? Those who believe in his name, he makes a child of God because they're born of God. You can't undo that. You're just not that talented. You can't sin good enough, big enough. You can't get rid of it. Darkness cannot overcome light. There was a, uh, you think about traffic light in the darkness. In the middle of the day, these traffic lights uh, out here on Chase or Prince or whatever, you got to get real up close sometimes to see, is it on or is it off? In the middle of the darkness, you see it just fine, sometimes for miles and miles. I remember there was a, there was a traffic light way down the street I used to live off of uh, over uh, outside of Atlanta. And uh, you, you, couldn't, you could barely even tell that there was a traffic light in the middle of the day way down there. Like you couldn't even see the black or yellow casing around it. But at night, like miles down this road, you could see this tiny pinhole of piercing green or red or yellow for a second. Right? <laughs> I do know the three colors that are on there. Don't worry about that. Uh, and then you think about stars as well, right? What are they, like billions? perhaps, of light years away? We see these things. The darkness cannot do anything about that, can it? No matter how dark it is. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes that only increases the contrast. We see it better. Right? Physical darkness is not a thing. It's the, it's the privation of a thing. Uh, and in the same way, uh, Jesus cannot be stopped, cannot be overcome, subtracted from the work of Jesus is irrevocable. And so uh, this is why Christmas without Easter is nonsense. The gift of God is found uh, in the full work 
of Jesus, the irrevocable life given to us in Christ Jesus. The gift of God is not a baby. It's not just another new life, although that is great. We are for babies. We are for them uh, more and more having life. Uh, but the gift uh, is life born to die for you, to get you. This, this great trade that's happening, right? It's not just a, a slate wiped clean. It is a purchase. You will hear me say this from time to time, uh, but the cross is not a symbol for us to just feel good, and nor is uh, the nativity. It's a point of sale right? where there is an exchange going on, right? Uh, the righteousness of Jesus, the life of Jesus to give us life, to give us his record that we might walk in it. The great paradox is God, who exists in this eternal satisfaction and joy in and of himself in the Trinity somehow, nonetheless, in the incarnation, takes the suffering and death that I deserve for my lack of recognition of him uh, as the true life that gives light to the world and my mockery of an attempt to objectify myself uh, as the light. If not to the whole world, at least to my own self. And Christmas without Easter is incoherent. And so if Christmas sometimes has felt incoherent to you, I'm with you. I've sometimes felt it difficult to enter into that. Sometimes it does. There's an article in Christianity Today that I may well post for y'all to read that I thought was absolutely fascinating. It talked about some of the history of uh, Christmas celebrated in America and how really from the earliest moments, uh, it was largely an Easterless Christmas, more pointed to a baby uh, and good feelings than anything else because uh, those who uh, wanted to celebrate that more in the early history of America were largely those who would have a very different theological perspective uh, than we would in this room. Uh, back then, the Reformed and or the Evangelical, in the more historic sense of that term, didn't do Christmas, actually, because uh, they thought of it as like uh, something from the old country where people just drank too much. Uh, and so the idea was just, you know, you kind of drum up a good spirit, uh, thinking on this baby, be better, uh, do better, make an impact. But what we see is uh, scripturally, faith in Jesus is what changes us, makes us better, makes us uh, move out to have an impact. And so uh, in Advent, we're cultivating a longing for this Jesus. There's not an either or, right? But his second and full arrival prior to next week when we just party. We just celebrate the beauty of him being here. And, and again, uh, scripture doesn't talk about how you celebrate Christmas. It does talk about how we celebrate and remember Christ day to day. Uh, and so we wanna cultivate this in and of ourselves and utilize this season uh, unto that end. Because why not? If everybody else is celebrating it, that's great. 
And so this is uh, how we've talked about, you know, in the, as it was said in a quote last week, the, how, how do we remember and celebrate in the midst of the, the steam bath, our steam room to ice bath, cultural whiplash of high and low of the Christmas season. Again, this is our last week of the pairings I will offer to you, right, of lament and awe, and maybe some specifics of how that would look for you this week. Uh, lament. So this week, think, lament, that so many do not know life in Christ Jesus. For many of us, for myself included, I think these days it's often easier to lament uh, those who claim to know life in Jesus and really don't act like it, the simpler. It makes me angrier, mostly because it's them, right? But uh, it, it, it's easier to get angry about things like that or to lament it these days. This week, think about this. I think scripture pushes us deeper than that. I think scripture pushes us to say, you know what? I lament that and yet I can let it go. I can give it to God. Vengeance is the Lord. Uh, I need to move into a lament uh, that life, true life in Christ Jesus remains unknown for so many and very likely remains unknown to maybe some uh, who are misrepresenting Jesus and his gospel. Particularly those who may misrepresent Jesus and his gospel as dealing only with the spiritual. Perhaps they don't know his good news. And perhaps I'm called into a lament for that and for them. Uh, but let's not misrepresent it uh, just in the, the other sense uh, that the good news would only be about uh, following and doing as well. Let's step into the following and doing and lament. And let's also not forget to awe. I don't know if awe is a verb, but I just verbed it. Get in the path of oncoming beauty. We've said that again and again. The Kurt Thompson quote, right? Get in the path of oncoming beauty. Be awed in this next week, uh, but with a deep purpose. Let the beauty that you see and hear and feel take you into, remind you of a deeper beauty, which is life in Christ Jesus. How incredible is this? I sit in the awe that true life came for you, specifically you, brother and sister, specifically you, gave himself for you, loves you, loves you, offers his love to all as well. He's the light of all, John says, uh, that all might believe, John says not lose that either, right? Because we want to see all of Athens flourishing, right? And so let's not just, uh, the same way that we want to, don't want to get lost in just one side of lament, we don't want to get lost in just one side of the awe either, uh, uh, the awe of the beautiful reality of all that Jesus is and has done for me. Ah, love it. Wonderful. God to move you out with it. Ask God to move your heart in your prayers for others. Uh, To to move you out in in care for others. To move you out in, in boldness. 
perhaps, as well. We'll wrap with this. You know, Jesus says in an anachronistic way in the New Testament, uh, a seed has to die in order for the plant, the tree, to sprout up. That is what we celebrate in Christmas. Yeah, we celebrate the facet of the incarnation in particular. But we, let's not celebrate an Easter-less Christmas. Let's celebrate an Easter-full Christmas. And that he has come to die. That his life might be given to us, for us, and through us. This beautiful, incredible thing that though God did not need us, know any other way that he does the beautiful work of saving sinners other than this. This is his plan all along to create this incredible, a beautiful thing and give life to those who could never earn it, who could never drum it up on our own. Let's lament, let's awe, let's cultivate our longing for this and then next week let's celebrate. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come. True life to give us life. You came to die. Uh, and we can sometimes overemphasize that in our circles. Uh, and frankly, maybe have in some respects for a long time. And yet we don't want to lose it either. We want our hearts to be just captivated by this beautiful story of good news. <coughs> Believing that that's really what's going to move us out uh, into making all things new in our community. Remembering that that is the great work that you are about, of which we get to be the first fruits. <laughs> we get to enjoy the fruits forever and ever. We can barely wrap our minds around the little bit that we even know. What will that life be like? And yet we, we see it, we experience it uh, in you here and now. Your union to us by faith. Uh, your union to us collectively as well. We experience the life that is the light of men here among your people. So we ask, would you just fan that flame into a blaze uh, in our own lives individually and collectively as well that, that we might see uh, flourishing, coming out from this place, this little building, uh, but more than that, our lives, our community, our, our, our community groups, and just the, the collective that is us. May we be a fellowship of your hope, your life, we pray in Christ's name.